But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Morning. Thank you for that reading from uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, Today I'm going to be talking to you about the resurrection, which I think is probably the most important story in the whole of Christianity. We're one week on from Easter, so we're continuing that story on the colours of the cross. And we're talking about the resurrection this morning. And there's, there's two questions I want us to look at and I want us to just try and see if we can answer this morning as we talk about it. Um, It's what is the resurrection? So what does the Bible tell us the resurrection is? And secondly, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Um, I don't know what you guys have been doing uh, over Easter to relax. Um, One of the ways that we like to relax the most these days is probably, you know, we like to sit in front of the TV. We've got all these different options available to us. I don't know how many subscriptions I've got at the moment. It's ridiculous. I think I need to cancel a couple. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that we do is we like maybe to sit in front of the TV and watch Netflix or something like that. And this is one of the ways that um, we kind of learn about society these days. We kind of learn new things from all these shows. They're all sending us subliminal messages. I think they all have something to say. The arts has always been really interested in trying to communicate really important things. Um, and I don't know if you've seen one of the shows on Netflix, the Ricky Gervais show, I think, hopefully you've all seen it. It's kind of pitched at kind of like this demographic. It's not really for young people. Um, it's kind of pitched at the kind of like the, the, the people who are our age or my age. And it's called Afterlife. Any of you seen it? Put your hands up if you've seen Ricky Gervais' Afterlife. Okay, a few guys, you guys have seen it. Anyway, it's been highly praised. It's done three seasons. Um, really, really highly praised. People have called it beautiful profound and moving. Um, but it's all, about, it's all about, pretty much about death. I'm not giving you a spoiler um, because it's pretty much in the first episode you find out that his wife has died and it's all about him trying to, trying to figure out um, the resurrection. What, 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 not trying to figure out the resurrection. He's trying to figure out what goes on in life for him after his wife has died and how he's trying to process um, this. And I find it, I find it really interesting um, because there's a really, there's a really wonderful and, um, and moving scene at the, end, um, at the end of the whole series, really, which is kind of like really moved people's hearts, where he, his wife reads to him a poem 
She's kind of like on her deathbed. Um, she's dying of cancer. And she reads a poem to him in the video. And this is a, it's a famous poem written um, in the 1930s by a lady called, I think, Elizabeth Fry. And it's, written, it's, it's a famous poem. You might have heard it before. It's, it's read a lot at funerals. Um, people really find comfort in this poem. I just want to read it to you, and I just want to share um, some thoughts on it. Um, it says, Do not stand at my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sun on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift uplifting rush of quiet birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and cry, I am there, I did not die. Really, uh, <clears throat> really kind of profound, isn't it? Really kind of moving poem, really gets you thinking. Um, doesn't it all sound a little bit familiar though? Isn't it an air of familiarity for us as Christians? Do not stand at my grave and we, I am not there. Where did this idea come from? Well, this is, this is the story of the resurrection. This is fundamentally what we learn about at Christmas. This is what the angels said to Mary. This is what Jesus says. Do not stand at my grave and weep. But it's kind of gone in a little bit of a different direction. Anyone notice the different direction? That it's saying, it's, I'm a thousand winds that blow. I'm the diamond glints on snow. It almost, it's trying to mythologize the resurrection to a certain extent. It's trying to, you know, take on this idea that we live on in people's memories or that, um, you know, that we become the autumn rain or that we kind of go into the earth. We're ripened grain, glints on snow, those kind of things. It's kind of picking up back that idea that we see in that famous Disney movie, the circle of life from the Lion King. You know, and these are all, these are all really um, compelling ideas. And these are kind of the, the, um, the ideas that we sold to every day. Um, but I think it's really interesting because I think, I think this is all kind of a, a way of trying to deceive us into thinking something different about the resurrection. I think if, if, if the enemy can do one thing to us, if he can take away the power of the resurrection, if he can make it something even slightly downplayed, then he takes away a huge swathe of what Christianity is all about. You know, I'm really happy to hear that, the, you know, they're talking to the kids this morning about the resurrection. They're going to be learning about it because um, I took my son to my late father's grave um, about a year ago. He died in 2019. And just as he took the flowers and he laid it down um, on my, my father's grave, he said to me, he says, Daddy, when will I see Granddad again? Will I ever see him again? And I just felt that that was a really defining moment. I felt like, you know, what am I supposed to answer him here? You know, I, can, I have an opportunity to, to teach him something about the, the realities of life and death. And, you know, I could have given the, the old age answer, okay, you know, you'll see him again in heaven. But, you know, what does that even really mean? How is a four-year-old, or three he was at the time, um, how is he supposed to really gr grasp that understanding of what, what heaven is, what's in heaven? So I just gave him a biblical answer Instead, um, I said, you will see him when he comes alive again. 
And he said, really, wow, when will he come alive again? And I said, well, when Jesus comes back, he's going to come alive again. So now he lives with the understanding that he will soon one day see his grandfather. But it won't be up in heaven. It will be when he comes alive again. Because believe it or not, this is actually what the Bible teaches us. Today's reading from 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is really trying to be really specific about this. He's trying to really get a really strong point. Um, He's saying that our hope is in the risen Christ. The risen Christ. He goes as far as saying this. Get a load of this. This is really significant. He says, if Christ is not being raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. I mean, that is something huge to say, right? Your faith, if you don't believe in the resurrection, he says your faith is useless. All the other stuff, it doesn't matter. You know, because really it was one of the defining things that Christianity was founded upon. All the early church when they were trying to preach, the message that they were trying to preach was Christ has been raised from the dead. When Peter gave his first speech in the book of Acts, so everybody listening, he said, do you know what? David died and David, he's still in the tomb. He's there to this day. You can go and see him. He says, but Christ has been raised from the dead. And this is really, really significant. Um, You know, there's a a great theologian called um, R.C. Sproul, an American theologian. I like the way he puts it. He says this. He says, the claim of resurrection is vital to Christianity. If Christ has been raised from the dead by God, then he has the credentials and certification that no other religious leader possesses. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Moses is dead. Confucius is dead. But according to Christianity, Christ is alive. This is our evidence that God is real. This is our evidence that faith is real. You know, we talk to so many people today, you know, you know, do you believe in God? Atheists will say, you, well, you know, well, I would, but what is the evidence? Based on the evidence I see, I don't really believe. And I say, okay, evidence, you want evidence? Have you really ever considered the resurrection? Ask people, have you ever really looked at the evidence for the resurrection? This is the most compelling thing out there. Um, I think it's worth going into it just for a few moments. There was a Roman historian called Tacitus who scholars all agree is an authentic and independent source who provides confirmation of Jesus' crucifixion from a non-Christian point of view. So really, there is no doubt. It's not really a contested fact that Jesus walked the earth. It's not really a contested fact that the man named Jesus of Nazareth lived and died on a cross and was nailed to the cross and died and killed by the Romans. The only real question is, did he rise again? And there's, 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 there's some key points that we have to consider. First of all, the most compelling evidence is that there was an empty tomb. You know, if anyone wanted to disprove the resurrection, all they needed to do was produce a body. The body that was killed, there was no doubt about it he was killed. The Romans were trained killers. They didn't get this wrong. There was no doubt that he died. No one could have survived what he went through. That was kind of the, the whole point. If anyone wanted to disprove this new Christian movement, all they needed to do is say, do you know what? We've got him back. Here, here, let us show you. Let us prove. Here's the nails in his hands and feet. Here's this limp body. He is well and truly dead. Check him out. Jesus did not rise from the dead. But over the course of history, they've, they've failed to do that. Another point is the fact that the first person to tell the story of the resurrection was Mary. This was hugely significant because in those days, the testimony of a woman was not considered the same 
I didn't have the same level of integrity. In, in those days, a woman's uh, um, authority was not the same as a man's. Her testimony was not to be believed. So if they were making this up and they were going to make a story you know, to keep the, the hope of Jesus alive, they wouldn't have said, oh, the first person that saw him, the first person that told everyone was a woman because that would have been shooting themselves in the foot. So the fact that it was Mary just shows this must have been based on truth. And the, the apostles and the disciples who wrote the Gospels afterwards, they really had faith to believe, we're going to put this in, even though it's going to be highly controversial. And, you know, some people might think it might cast doubt on our account. We're going to put this in because this is the truth. And what we're telling is the truth. And it's compelling. Then Jesus, um, he appeared to 500 people, 500 people. Some people say, oh, you know, well, maybe people saw Jesus in their imagination. Maybe it was a hallucination. They desperately wanted to see him. You say, okay, well, that might be possible if it was one person doing that. It might be possible if it was two. But 500 people all hallucinating at the same time. Has that ever happened? 500 people do not all have the same hallucination. That is medically not possible. And then lastly, the disciples, the way that they acted after they'd seen the risen Jesus... I mean, this is a ragtag bunch of young men who were scared to their wits once they'd seen Jesus die on the cross. They left him. They, couldn't, they didn't have the guts to stand next to him and go through it because they were so scared. And then after Jesus died, they were hidden up in a room, just fearless, hiding away until the Holy Spirit came upon them and changed everything. And these people, after that, they were willing to testify to the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead no matter what. No matter what. They were prepared to die for it. People are not normally prepared to die for a lie. So what is the resurrection telling us? Um, what is the resurrection according to Scripture? What is Scripture trying to tell us about the resurrection? Well, this is, this is what it's saying. It's trying to tell us that it is a physical Reality, not just a spiritual one, it's a physical reality. We can go to um, Philippians um, chapter 3, verses 20 21 for this. And it says this it says, We eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. This is what, the, the, what we're waiting for. This is what the Bible is telling us our destiny is all about. And what does the Christ's glorious body look like? Well, when he appeared to the disciples, he said, Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he ate some fish. You know, ghost spirits have no need for eating they were jesus was trying to show that this is a physical resurrection if it's just spiritual if it's just in memory or if it's just living on in people's hearts and minds it's not really resurrection it's something else you know why why does all this matter why well paul says because well he says if we don't believe in this he says it's useless in verse 17, he says, Our faith is useless. If Christ is not risen, you are still in your sins. What is the, what is the outcome of sin? What's the, what's the problem of sin? Well, the problem of sin is that we die. We were never meant to die, but our sin means that our destiny is ultimately 
death. But resurrection is about life. Jesus died and rose again to conquer sin, to overwhelm the power of sin so that we might just live, live again. Not just, not just afterlife, because otherwise then, you know, if, if sin would still have had its say. You know, sin would still have taken away our embodiment, that thing that allows us to walk around, to touch each other, to speak to each other, to hold each other. Sin would have still have won. But the resurrection is about life. Sin is not going to win. Sin is going to be overcome. This is why Jesus rose again. It's, not, it's about resurrection. It's not about merely getting into heaven. You know, this is one of the main ideas of other religions. Um, you know, they, they, they talk about um, their faith as being a way towards a transcendent reality, some kind of other transcendent reality, almost to help us to escape from this life. You know, but Revelation 21 tells us not of an eternity lived out up in the sky, but of, you know, with the getting through the heavenly gates with Peter standing on the door and then just inviting us in, saying, hey, come in, sit on a cloud and play harps for the rest of your life, that, that common image. Revelation doesn't talk about that. It talks about um, the new heaven and the new earth, all things being made new. When it talks about the new Jerusalem, it talks about the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, Heaven and earth coming together, rather than this thing of just going up, escaping into the sky. New Jerusalem, heaven and earth are coming down. The new, our reality, the new heaven and new earth, is about coming together. It's very, very different to some of the ideas that we like to, to, to think about sometimes, or, or, you know, things like afterlife try to, to teach us about. And, you know, what is the problem with this? Well, I, I think there's two problems um, with what other religions set up. This idea of simply about gravitating to this transcendent reality without anything being too specific. Um, I think one of the biggest problems is it basically says that life is bad. You know, something that we need to get away from. This life is not good. This life is painful. So really, what we're waiting for is the opportunity to escape from it to something way, way, way much better. But life is good. Life is a God-given thing. We are here for so much more. We're meant to enjoy this life. We're meant to, to thrive in this life. Life is good. It's given from God, and that is why Christ died to redeem it. He died to redeem our lives, not just so that we could be saved and go to heaven. He died so that our lives could be redeemed, so that something about living this life can actually be worth it. Because otherwise, what is the point of this life? What is the point of just going through this 100 years or so, if we're lucky, on this planet? You know, even if we're spiritual, I don't know if you guys have ever had this feeling, but you ever felt like life is just a test? Life is a test to get the nod from St. Peter. You know, that's all it is. We're trying to do the right things. We're trying to say the right things. We're trying to be the right people just so that at the end we can go on and live in eternity in the, in the real thing, you know? We can do the real thing at the end of the day, which is spending our lives up in heaven. But isn't that a miserable way to live? 
just trying to, to pass the test. This is what all religions say. You've got to do good in order to get good. You know, Jesus has already done it. He's already lived the life. He's already shown us how to live a full and true life here on earth because our life here on earth matters. Jesus wanted to show us how to live life and live life to the full. So when he overcame sin, he, he was showing us how to live a better life and how to redeem this life. But when he did it, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. When he rose from the dead, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? That same Spirit lives in us. Today, Romans 8 verse 10 says, If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Isn't that amazing? The spirit is not something that equips us for heaven when we die. It's about living in heaven now. Listen to what Jesus talked about. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven. And he said the kingdom of heaven is near. His resurrection was the inauguration of that new plan for humanity. He talked about being born again of the spirit. A new life. Making us new. Paul talks about this more in 2 Corinthians 5 Verse um, 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So yes, we're looking forward to a day when Christ will make all things new. But really, something new has already been made in us. He's already telling us that we are already new. So this plan to redeem all of humanity, this plan that God has to make all things new is not something that is just going to happen in the future. That is going to be the fullness of, of it coming together in fruition. But it started 2,000 years ago when he rose from the dead. That was the day when the new life, the, the new plan for humanity was kicked off. And we don't need to wait until we die to understand what the resurrection means for us. We can start living in that truth now. Because the resurrection is about continuity. It's about formation. It's about continuing what he started in this life when he placed us on this earth. Not just taking us away. It's about continuing what he started when he rose from the dead. He's continuing what he started the day that we were born. Giving us a sense of newness, giving us a sense of purpose for our life. And what we're doing as, as we wait for things to be all made new, we're actually walking towards Christ's likeness. We're actually walking towards that new and glorious body. He's given us the power to live it out now. That's why in 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says this. It says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We're being transformed into his image. This is the journey that we're supposed to be walking on, walking in, in a way that we're allowing Christ and the Holy Spirit to change us daily into this heavenly destiny. But not just when we get there, but now, living it out now. In the New King James Version, it, it says it's like looking into a mirror. We're perceiving the glory of God as if looking in a mirror, that we can see Christ staring back at us. So this idea of continuity and transformation. I love the way that Tom Wright puts it. Um, you know, we have the, a phrase saying that, you know, um, we're a shadow of our former selves. You know, sometimes when we go through life and we're, 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 on a, we're on a low point, we're a shadow of our former selves. Well, he says, in Christ, you are a shadow of your future self. Isn't that beautiful? You know, while the world is trying to figure out what to do with itself, how to live, how to be happy, how to find meaning. We as Christians, we've already been given it by the resurrected Jesus. We're not just here waiting until God makes all things new. He's already started. I don't know if you heard that phrase from Shakespeare. He says, all the world is a stage. Well, let me tell you, if all the world is a stage... This is not the rehearsal. This is the show. This is the main show. This is the main gig. When Jesus rose from the dead, that was him kicking off the main show for all humanity, but a different show than had been before. All the world is a stage, but we get to show the world Jesus. The renewal of humanity, created in God's image, has started and we've been invited to join in. Because when Jesus left, he sent his Holy Spirit. He could have said, I'm going, but don't worry. One day I will come back. And by my Spirit, I will take you to be with me and the Father up in heaven. One day. Stay, hold on to that hope. Yes, we have a hope in Jesus. But this is what he said. He says, the spirit will come. Wait for the spirit. It's even better that I go because then the spirit will come. That same spirit that rose Jesus from the, get, the dead has been given to us now, today. So we're not just invited, we're empowered. I think that's important to remember when we Look at the state of the world today. It's a difficult place sometimes. It's full of pain and full of suffering. It's full of difficulty and challenge. And you know, so often it can be easy for us to just want to wish it all away. And thank God that we have a hope. Thank God that we have a hope for a future. But at the same time, the world needs an answer. And the answer to the world lives within us. We get to create heaven here on earth. That's what we've been called to. In Corinthians 15, 
16, sorry. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. Everything that we're doing now as we look towards that day when Christ will come back, we have an opportunity to start building towards that. We have an opportunity to start inviting heaven to earth now, heaven to earth today. We have the opportunity to experience heaven in our own lives, to overwhelm the pain and the suffering, and to see glimpses of heaven in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits, in our minds, when we encounter healing. It's, it's, a, it's a glimpse of what is to come, but he gives us that now. We can be healed. Our bodies can be made whole through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can have strong hearts and minds full of hope, full of strength because of our faith. We don't just need to wait till we get to heaven. It's not just about escaping. He has given us a taste of what is to come by his spirit. And we have the opportunity to give the world a taste by showing them the kingdom of heaven. We have an opportunity to show the world hope I don't know what kind of hope people get from watching shows like The Afterlife. I don't know what kind of hope people get by thinking that the best that they can get is to become a grain of sand in the circle of life. Try telling that to a three-year-old. See if that inspires them. Try telling them that your loved ones, that you'll be trampling them on the ground as you walk because they become the earth. Try telling them that they become food for the animals in the circle of life. I'm not sure that's very comforting for them. But we can tell our young people that we will live again. And we can tell our young people that we have God's Holy Spirit. And we can tell our young people that by His Spirit, we get to see heaven here on earth today. In Forest Hill, that is the power that God has given us. By his spirit. So I wonder now. If we can just take a moment. To invite his Holy Spirit again. The spirit of the resurrection. The spirit that rose Christ from the dead. Lives in you. Let's just take a moment right now to just invite God. and his Holy Spirit. Shall we stand?